Okay, here we go. This is a fascinating one. I, I get up this morning and I'm thinking, I get to talk with Sean O'Connor in Ireland this morning. And I was, I was thinking about this through the week and I have a story to share with you. But uh, Sean, how are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. I'm here in um in uh, Waterville in Kerry, at the moment. Um, I'm so I, I live in Cork in the south of Ireland, but my family are from Kerry, and um, I'm I'm here at the moment, and it is absolutely beautiful. Um, uh, staying staying careful and COVID free and all that, but uh, yeah, no, it's all good. How are things with you? Yeah, and I say this morning, it's about two o'clock for you in the afternoon. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. It's two 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 in the afternoon. Yeah, that's right. It, it, fantastic morning long week and um mm. I've, I've talked about being a school counselor and um i'm going to share this story first and and then i'll kind of maybe fill anyone listening in on how we're having this conversation um what led to it but this week i have a student come in to my my office at school and um the student is terrified absolutely terrified and uh they start mentioning like I don't I don't know what is real and I never knew this feeling it like terrified panicked as but I had another group going on and um so I I pull up I just YouTube depersonalization video and then here comes Sean O'Connor and I think I know Sean I feel like I know Sean and um I play the video and it was 10 minutes I go do my group I come back and there's another video that's like 19 minutes playing and I'm thinking this student is in good hands hearing you know and I was on your website this morning and it was like top 10 depersonalization symptoms and signs um, and then I had to drop in I'm like hey I know this person just a FYI um, <laughs> my ego had to play into the whole thing but um, it it turned out we had a conversation about it and it greatly calmed this person down so my goodness how amazing is is this technology and 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 having experienced it being able to put your what you've learned out there to help others yeah that is great man that's that's so 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 good to hear like that is if it's actually kind of like you know pr practically helping people just even in terms of the videos that is uh that's great, man. Oh, I can see you. There we go. I didn't realize you couldn't. I was looking <laughs> at you, and I didn't realize you couldn't see me. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's great to hear, man. That's that's. I'm d delighted to hear that. That's made my day already. Okay, I want to. I want to uh, maybe start with how we came to connect, and mm. um, I'll I'll start from my side, and then I would love <laughs> to hear your your experience. So, um, when I started doing the podcast. I thought, okay, depersonalization is, in my opinion, a symptom of the, the panic cycle. And, and there's some evidence to suggest it's a little bit outside, but I thought, I know what a struggle it was for me, so I just want to start pumping information out there into the world about it and, and provide another voice and some hope. So I come across the DP manual, and I wanted to uh, review the resources, kind of review and, and introduce anybody who may listen to the resources out there. And I come across DP Manual, and the more I listen to your videos and the more I read your articles, I thought, okay, this guy is not playing around, and he brings some really good information. 
I mean, really good information. You seem very passionate about it. And then I find out your background in film and communication. And I go, oh, mm. of course, because he's got the skill to communicate the message as well. So I do this podcast about you. And then, and then you take it from there because you heard it at some point. That's right. I, I mean, I, I can't remember if I saw it through Google Alerts thing or something, no. or maybe if, or if it was just through like kind of searching for because uh, every now and then I, I, I would I take a search on Google for like any up to date news on on DP or anxiety just yeah. to just to make sure I'm I'm kind of uh, up to date with the with what's happening kind of in in, in the medical world. Like, but but so I saw this link popped up and I said, oh, that's interesting, and uh, and it was. Uh, it was you going through uh, the, the, the the whole story, but it was great, and and it was so and it was so interesting to hear someone kind of go through it from a, a third person perspective. But it was so it was really cool because you 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 read it as if you were speaking to me as well, and you yeah. kind of you, you you would kind of take these the breaks every now and then and say, oh, like Sean, I completely relate to that. So it was it was almost yeah. like having a phone call or something, but it was great. I was. So and you know I, I I actually sat and listened to listened to the whole thing and and reposted it and thought like oh this is this was great but interestingly it kind of took me I mean I think in the in the time that I've been recovered like I just like you know speaking to like thousands of people over the years and all the rest of it but it's rare that I would actually kind of like go back to my own story or um it was it was really interesting to hear it from uh, another person's perspective and uh um and kind of made me kind of uh, nostalgic in oh. in a in, in 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 a good in a good way for you know that that kind of uh that time in my life but, but like not not the anxiety in particular but um but uh yeah it made me uh uh, uh it kind of it brought it brought me back to that time like you know it it made me think when we started talking oh if i if i talk about someone maybe i should let them know how about giving them a hello? Hey, I, I saw your story. I appreciate you. Um, it never dawned on me. And uh, I was like, oh, I could actually connect with people that I'm perhaps talking about or ad- admire or have questions. So yeah. I actually have another meeting um, on the uh, later in October as some, some conversations are starting to come up. And I wanted to do more collaborations, but I wanted to mm. get comfortable uh, doing the podcast thing first. Hey, where are you now, like today, you know, with your management of DP and anxiety? Um, well, it's gone. It's, uh, wow. uh, I've been, yeah, oh, I, I mean, I've been completely recovered for, um, so I mean, I got it first in 2005 and I, I had it for, uh, for two years. So, um, it would be about kind of, about 13, 13 years, maybe going on 14 now that I've, I've been completely recovered. Um, that's, I mean, that's not to say that I don't like experience anxiety from time to time, mm-hmm. but it is, it's anxiety that is, um, it's as it should be. Do you know what I mean? It's anxiety yeah. that pertains to my work, to that pertains to normal human being things like relationship stresses, work stresses, all, all of those kind of things. But it's, never escalates beyond where it should be um uh which is uh uh wh- which is a good place to be and which is the kind of, which is the goal of what the the dp manual is is to kind of get people back to that place where they have uh where one's anxiety levels and then all the 
the symptoms that come with it are, as, yeah. are, are, where, are, where, are where they should be, you know. Your anxiety response is a- appropriate to the level of stress you have when we have this depersonalization and, and panic. It's, it's way out of the zone. It needs to be. As I was saying mm-hmm. to a, a, a conversation this week, in your mind, you're, quote, being chased by that tiger in yeah. the jungle, although there's no actual tiger exactly exactly that and that's the the thing is that like it's um the one of the things i i so often say to people is that like when people are going through anxiety and dp is this your your body and your brain are doing exactly what they're supposed to be yes. doing they're they're just doing it at the wrong time if you if you were actually in danger if you were in the jungle getting chased by a wild animal or if you were in a natural disaster getting mugged or something um these these reactions, these racing thoughts, this catastrophizing, these feelings of DP are the correct and a natural response to that. But it's when it turns into this inadvertent feedback loop and continues into your daily life that when you're trying to, you know, work or hang out with your family or friends yeah. or whatever, and those feelings are still there and you, that that's when it's not useful. Um, but that's the, that's the, 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 the goal of recovery from any anxiety based condition. Obviously, you know, you're, you've documented your story well. I've documented your story. But to, to quickly yeah. kind of go back, um, could you kind of walk us back through on, on some level your, your journey? And I'm thinking of your image, and I, and I described your face in one of the pictures, and I'm like, I recognize that, oh my, like that yeah. what's happening look. It showed up in that picture. But, yeah. Mm. Uh, through my experience with anxiety and DP, is this just just walk kind of walking back through that 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 journey for you into depersonalization, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and um, and and through it, yeah. Sure, sure. Well, it kicked off when I was uh, when I was twenty five years old, and um, so it's initially it happened it was just a panic attack that hit me out of nowhere and i was sitting sitting at home uh watching a movie um drinking a beer my dad had just gone to bed and i just suddenly had this like intense feeling of stress and anxiety and not just that but a a really intense feeling of like disconnection from reality i actually felt like I was about to start hallucinating or I was like, I was dreaming and I couldn't wake up or something. And it was really, really profoundly terrifying. Um, but as scary as it was, I still kind of had the wherewithal to be like, okay, don't like run out of the house or do anything like that. And I put myself to bed and I said, okay, look, whatever this was, this was a really weird. And at the time I didn't, I didn't recognize it as a panic attack. It, it just felt like this sudden onset of fear mm-hmm. and terror. Um, so I put myself to bed and, um, thinking whatever this is, it'll be gone in the morning. And the first thing I did when I woke up in the morning was I checked to see was the feeling still there. And it was, which kind of freaked me out. And then it stuck around for the next few hours and then the next few days and the next few weeks. And, um, I started, it started to affect my life in terms of, I didn't, uh, I didn't want to go to work. I was a full-time musician at the time. I didn't want to do uh, anything like that because it just, it felt like this was completely overwhelming my life. Um, I stopped socializing. I dropped like a dangerous amount of, well, not a dangerous amount, but I lost, I lost a lot of weight. Mm. I completely lost my appetite. 
Um, and I just became completely consumed with this, with this feeling of, um, of unreality. And I, uh, one of the, the, the most intense fears I had was that like, I was, I was going crazy, you know, because the, I found that like, even kind of going to a doctor, which I did eventually, but I even knew that like what I would have to say to the doctor to accurately describe my symptoms would be saying things like, I don't feel like I'm here. Yeah. I don't feel like things are real. I don't, I think I feel like I'm in a dream and I can't wake up. Um, I feel like I'm high and I can't, I can't come down. And I felt like that even, even thinking about saying those words sounded so frightening because it sounded like going crazy. Yeah. And what, what would happen if I explained these symptoms to my doctor and he said, um, okay, you need, to, you need to go to a mental hospital for the next few years. Like, you know, like I didn't, I, I, I had no frame of reference for this. Like I didn't know what these symptoms were. Mm -hmm. So I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. And, um, I try, I try, I was trying to go back to my daily life, but couldn't, I was obsessively researching the symptoms, um, um, online, um, this again, this was 15 years ago or whatever. So like there were, there were, there was a fraction of the, of the resources that, that are available now, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, I eventually came across a description of it and this would have been uh, probably a couple of months into it, but I came across a description of the symptoms and they were pretty much exactly what I was, what I was having. And it was called depersonalization. And I was like overjoyed because I was like, oh my God, this has a name. This isn't just like some random kind of thing that I've, that will that, be named after me in future, you know, this actually has a name, people get it. Uh, and then subsequently being completely crestfallen to realize that there were people posting saying, oh, I've had this for five years. I've had this for 10 years. There's no getting better. Um, uh, which was contradicted by some people, but it, it seemed completely arbitrary. Yeah. And I was, and I had an absolute meltdown. And I just thought like, I've been doing this for like a couple of weeks or a couple of months. I can't, I cannot do this for, for years, you know? Um, so that kind of set me off on a fairly dark spiral for, for a while and more obsessive, um, researching of it. And, um, I was trying the whole time I was trying to get my life back together. I was go, I was trying all these different things. I was, I, I went to my GP. I was, uh, trying medication i was trying reiki i was trying um different kind of online courses but what really frustrated me was the fact that there was nothing that was specifically for this like there was nothing for this you know let me jump um, in let me go ahead um you realize so first off you were stressed on some level mm. to to obviously get to that point where your yeah. where your body does what it's supposed to do, and then the stress mm. becomes worrying about the symptoms and sensations, which only increases the stress. Do you know what it? Could you remind me what it was, or that that may have got you to that point uh, of of kicking it off in the first yes. place? So um, it was looking back on it, it was definitely a combination of different stresses to do with you know, work stresses, family stresses, different things like that. It was also a, de a definite factor in it as well. It was um, a few weeks beforehand, I went to Amsterdam with some friends of mine and um, got in the early morning flight, didn't sleep the night before, dropped our bags into the hostel and went straight to a cafe and um, smoked a joint that was 
multiple times the strength I anticipated it was going to be. Um, and uh, to the point where I was convinced that somebody must have put acid into it, um, had, had proceeded to have an absolute meltdown on the streets of Amsterdam for like maybe two hours. Couldn't remember where I was, how I'd gotten there. Um, could hardly remember who, who, who I was. Um, uh, it was absolutely a really, really, uh, I mean, look, as, as anyone who's had like a bad, a bad experience on, on weed or any, uh, yeah. or even anything like, like acid or whatever, it's very, very frightening. But the time passed, I came down and I was fine. I was a bit shook, um, but I uh, took it easy for the rest of the weekend. But uh, when I had the panic attack a couple of weeks later, what I felt was that, that I must have done some damage to myself that when I, at that time in Amsterdam. And mm -hmm. because it felt, it felt as if the symptoms were kind of similar. So that like the, the feelings of being high or the feelings of being kind of disconnected from my body. And I felt like, well, this is some, this must have something to do with the weed because it's kind of similar. So I felt, I felt that like whatever happened that time in Amsterdam, I must have like, I, I flicked a switch in my brain and I can't said, come down. And I, I've said the same thing. Like I've unlocked a new level that there is no mm -hmm. return from. I actually, I had a thing where, um, when I was living in Los Angeles and I decided uh, a, a really good career move for someone who maybe tends to be anxious. How about acting? How about performing? Uh, mm. <laughs> but I remember person after person said, Hey, yeah, you know, with your stress, maybe, maybe consider weed, maybe a little marijuana. It might, might do the trick for you. And, right. um, I started, uh, a friend brought and, and I grew up, marijuana was evil. Uh, any any right. of that was evil. I'm here in the Bible Belt, and then there started to be a turning tide to perhaps it's not all bad. So uh, yeah. a, some really uh, s some friends who are just bringing it in the, in their careers said, How, "Yeah, we got some cannabis coffee." So I tried a little bit. Um, didn't really affect me much. And another roommate was like, "Here's uh, you know, I smoke a little marijuana." He's very relaxed. I tried it, and then I had the th same exact experiences you did, where I was like, I'm that, and this was like my third installment of panic. I've been there, yeah. been there, been there, and I've had depersonalization before, but this came on stronger and harder. And then once you get out of DP, if you get back in it, you're like, I, it's hard to even remember what it's like when, until you yeah. get back in it. Like, I can't right. even relate to myself depersonalized, even though I do have flashes of DP occasionally. Um, yeah. but yeah. I've, I since learned, and tell me if you agree with this, uh, Marijuana um, for anxious personalities, especially if you are anxious, can exacerbate that. Is that kind of your current stance, or have you found anything different? Um, it like so, like all drugs, it has uh, benefits. It has major benefits. It has great health benefits. It's, uh, uh, it also has drawbacks. Um, and it's also uh, it's a it's also a psychedelic drug, so it, it does actually affect your you know modalities of thought. So that can either be thoroughly enjoyable, but it can it can go badly as well. Um, it's like interesting. It's kind of one one of the things that like I I I kind of find myself speaking about a lot in terms of like when I when on the social media pages as that people will people will say like you know you need to. Uh, they would say like you like, stop blaming weed for this like you know mm -hmm. and i'm i try to be very clear that like i'm absolutely like i've have, i have no um nothing against like 
weed or other drugs whatsoever like you know i do think they're they're they can be very useful tools like you know but people should people do need to be aware that as with any drug but in particular it seems to be west in particular it seems to be with like younger younger people um like 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 people in their teens getting uh exposed to like really um high strain high intensity weed um and smoking it like you know uh uh, without understanding kind of how, how strong it is and then having a bad reaction to it. But what I also try to really kind of hammer home is that it's not like technically speaking, it's not the weed that triggered it. So like yes. um, I speak to people regularly, like who have, who develop anxiety and depersonalization because of a panic attack that they had at work. Right. Because they, 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 they were traveling and they, and they got sick and they, went to a hospital where nobody spoke English and it was a terrifying experience, you know, but they had a panic attack and that kicked off the DP. Um, and they may never have smoked a joint in their life. They may, they may never have drank in their lives, but ultimately their experience of depersonalization is the same as mine or yours or anybody who, who get, who got it from uh, uh, weed or any other drug, because at the end of the day, it's not, technically the weed that triggered it it was your it was your uh body and brain's natural response to what it perceives to be a traumatic or dangerous situation which when you're on the on the business end of a bad bad experience on any drug is is what it feels like because you think i'm going crazy i'm going to die i'm having a heart attack i'm going to end up in a mental hospital i'll never come down all these different things and then and then when you do come down you're like oh i'm I'm fine you know but (laughs) But it's it, it's when you focus on these thoughts and it becomes this kind of feedback loop. That's when it can turn into an, an an ongoing thing. But it's not technically the weed that causes this, even though it's uh, the the bad a bad experience on weed can be um, is turning into one of the most um, uh, um, uh, common causes of um, uh, of of the panic attack that, that brings on DP subsequently. I think you said that if I recall from your story, was it about two years that you really were, how, how long were you in kind of a depersonalized trying to figure it out state? Um, so I had it, so I had it for two years, mm-hmm. but, uh, what, what I've been trying to say to, to, to do lately is kind of think about is because like, it's like that thing. So when I say like, um, I had depersonalization for two years and somebody hears that yeah. who has had it for like a couple of weeks, they might, they go, Oh my God. I can't do that. I can't do two years. Like that's impossible. Like, you know, but plus when I say I've had it for two years, what I'm actually saying is I developed anxiety in DP and for a year and let's say 10 months, I did all the wrong things, which is to say I obsessed about it. Mm -hmm. I quit work and I moved home. I tried every single different therapy I could. I uh, I was on all the different forums I could find. Um, I bought every book I possibly could and read about anxiety, about um, uh, dissociation, about um, uh, intrusive thoughts. Same. I yeah right. I I and I but I'm this. It be, I made it a huge part of my life. And 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 then and then I was also kind of wondering, but why why isn't this going away? Even though I'm, I think I'm doing all the right things. Um, 
one of the one of the things I, I mentioned in the in, in the in the book was, and I I, I I'm I, I've I'm making a new video about this actually, but is one of the best ways to describe it is like is that depersonalization or any uh, anxiety based condition is that it's essentially like it's it's like a song that's stuck in your head. It's 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 a thought that was useful briefly for a couple of minutes, but that because of focusing on it and turning into into a, a developing a thought feedback loop, it lasts much longer than you needed it to, to yeah. last. But the mistake that people make is that like, so for example, like if you, if you did, if you did get a song stuck in your head and it was there for like, let's say 48 hours and you said, okay, what am I going to do? How do I get the song out of my head? What you, what you don't do is go online onto forums about having a song stuck in your head and saying, does anyone have any tips? Um, you know, maybe I should take a look at the lyrics of the song. Maybe it's something to do with like the guitar solo. Maybe it's the music video and researching that and making your own notes and getting back to the forums. And this goes on for days and weeks and months. And it feels ostensibly mm -hmm. like this is progress in figuring out why the song is stuck in your head. Why wouldn't it be like, you know, because you are you're researching it and you're making progress and all the rest of it. But in actuality, the best possible approach is to put on other music, to not panic about it, not freak out about it, and understand that your brain is a machine of novelty and habit. It loves new things and it loves habits, and that it will let these old thoughts and habits go if you allow them to. But the trick is not to focus on that as being as being um as being the method for recovery because it's like um it's like if you that thing of like trying trying to for, for forget a song and then sitting around thinking Joe, you know what I'm what I'm what I'm not going to do today is, to, is think about the song not thinking about that song yeah. what you do is you you put, you put on other music and you you allow your brain to 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 soak it up and you also realize that the only reason the song was sticking around for that first 48 hours was because you were worried about the song sticking around for 48 hours. And it just became this inadvertent thought loop that, that stuck around for a bit longer than it should. And it's essentially the same thing with anxiety and, and, and DP. Um, but that's most, the vast majority of people who get this, Wes, mm -hmm. um, they, they, they do that inadvertently. So like they will, they, they'll have it for maybe a couple of days or, or an hour or two, but then they got to go pick up the kids or then they have to, you know, there's a series on Netflix they want to watch. Um, and what um, cognitive behavioral therapy does and what my book does is it just systematizes that, 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 uh, that, that recovery progress that allows you to, to give you the, the mental space to, 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 to ultimately forget about it. How did you, okay, so you realized at some point my strategies are actually increasing all of the that you know are, are making this worse how did you get to uh better ideas did those are those something you developed yourself or was it piece by piecemeal you started to get better information you know what it was it was like a major part of it was getting i was probably getting to the point after like maybe around a year and a half and i think i had moved i'd gone through all the stages of like i you know being terrified of it, grieving for like my old self that I thought I'd lost wow. forever. Um, you know, coming to terms with the idea that like, okay, well, I'll, I mean, I, I'll never direct a film again because 
how can I how can I direct uh, how can I be on a set with like 50 people if I can't if I literally can't walk into the bathroom because I'm afraid of looking in a mirror like you know um and I went through all these different stages of like grappling with it and but but obsessing about it all the time as well all the time and and I think after a year and a half I kind of came to a stage where I just really got sick of it and I was I was just like this is just so annoying like you know mm-hmm. um and I and I was kind of determined to kind of just like keep doing the things I used to do like you know even going to the going to the movies like you know just like forcing myself to go to the films and like you know accepting that I, I would be kind of scared of it or, or I, but I would still make myself do it but I did too yeah. as you're as you're thinking let me just say I remember mm-hmm. I got so sick of it I said I'm gonna go for a run because I had my mm-hmm. first one when I was jogging and so I didn't jog for you know uh, six seven months I said I'm gonna go right. for a run and if I die, I die. That's that's and that's when I actually started to go. Okay, wait, 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 wait. There's more going on here. Um, yeah. But I interrupted. You were at the point to where you were starting to get sick of it, and you're going to do those activities regardless. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and interestingly, kind of just having that having that kind of approach to it of thinking like because when you when you find something annoying, and we're just like, I'm so sick of this, like. It kind of, it kind of, even in saying that, it takes away some of the fear of it because it becomes an annoyance rather than something that you're kind of terrified of. But I saw that I was that that kind of created results, you know. And when and when I said like, okay, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to live my life anyway. And I found that like, because my initial thought was, but if I stop researching it and making progress with it, like intellectual progress with it then it's just going to get worse because then uh, if if I stop researching this, I will effectively have given up on trying to find a solution for myself. Right. Which seems to make sense when you think about it from the outside. Right. But what I found was that when I stopped researching it and I forced myself back to, to living my life as if it had no anxiety whatsoever, that like not only did it not get worse and not only did I like develop a sense of despair that I'd given up on it, but, it actually started to improve because I was in effect deprioritizing it. It became less and less of something that, that felt important that I needed to, to, to think about. Um, and then I would have days where I would think, okay, well, I'm kind of feeling okay today. So like, you know, I'll do, I'll do, do a bit of research today. Like, you know, I'll see if there's any news, any updates or whatever. And, I would do that and I would feel terrible afterwards and my anxiety would go through the roof and the feelings of DP would be, would be back with a vengeance. And I would go like, what, why, why is that happening? Why would that trigger it? Because I said, that seems like a good thing to do. Research, talk, talk about it, Mm -hmm. talk about it all the time to people. That's a really good thing. But, um, in it, I was inadvertently giving it more real estate than it, than than it deserves. Like, you know, and it, it, an interesting thing you mentioned about the, the jogging as well, Wes, like, one of the things that was a huge thing for me was that like um was travel because a few a few i guess months into my experience with it i i had to attend um a family wedding abroad and we had to fly over and stay there for a couple of days and then fly back and i just had i had a non-stop panic attack for that time i was just terrified on the plane i didn't want to, to do to do anything at the wedding i didn't want to attend anything i didn't want to hang out 
I literally wanted to stay in the in the room with the lights off like I can do nothing. But because of that, I developed this intense fear of travel, of getting into a plane, of like um, of being in a foreign place, like, you know, and I'm someone who like loved to travel before that. and I have traveled like a lot since. But. And even when I was recovering, even when I was really starting to see results, I still had this thing where I thought like even even if everything else gets better for me, um, I probably will still have to live with never being able to travel again because that was what happened to me was so bad. It was mm. so traumatic. It was so horrendously, horrendously awful. I'll never be able to get rid of that association, you know, which in, in retrospect, like that thought, like that's not an objective yeah. thought about anxiety. That is anxiety. That's yes. anxiety saying, oh, but you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do that. But part of recovery is also understand is recognizing those types of thoughts mm -hmm. so as, as as i'm as i'm sure you did with the with, with the that as i'm sure you did as you, as you just said you did but was with the jogging it's like when you go out and you do the thing anyway that's what even if you did do feel a bit of anxiety if you do feel a bit of panic or dp or whatever when you come in the door after your jog at after in your you know you have your shower or whatever a box has been ticked in your brain that says Okay, you felt you felt a bit anxious at the start, but you know what? You did it. Yep. You didn't die. You didn't go crazy. You didn't start screaming and run into traffic. You you came home and you're okay. Nothing like nothing happened. And that's what communicates to your brain that like it doesn't need to have this alarm going off because it's ultimately of of of, of no use. My fear of of going crazy on a plane, and I had a job um, that where I traveled constantly for a while. Oh, and, oh, right. Yes, and I didn't have this, but then it suddenly showed up. And I think looking back, the thought was, what if I go insane? It's one of those, what if my body does something my brain doesn't want to? And I had yeah. visions, really not <laughs> clear, of me being like a madman drooling on the plane and people like, he's going crazy, hold him down. <laughs> like, in my mind. <laughs> and so I would... I know. Dude, I would literally flip out on a plane and then and then I would talk about that I'm like I'm, I don't like mm. flying because it became a good conversation piece and then yeah. I went no 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 um now okay so you started to through observations and and actions in the uh, the point of getting angry as opposed to terrified well let me tell you for me um when I started when I was able to clearly identify the symptoms it went away for a spell oh, this is panic, this is anxiety, this is depersonalization. Unfortunately, what I did not address, which put me back into a my third cycle of it years later, was what what got me, and I asked you this question, what got, what got me there in the first place? And um, I, I, I'm curious uh, your opinion, but I, I now break down, when I work with students, um, I, I break anxiety down into five, five parts and I had done like one part one is getting to know our anxiety I have to kind of know what's going on in my body and my brain um calming you know strategies outside in like the the breathing and the distraction tools the organic piece food move sleep medication breaking the cycle in the middle of that cycle what are those exact strategies and one is hey bring it on or talk to the anxiety or the hello depersonalization welcome back you're to start to have a different relationship with it. And then for me, moving forward, because I was in a career that was very 
uh, I had some successes, but a lot of failures. So what's my day going to be like scheduling? What am I actually, am I interested in? What's my actual purpose? And have I picked this for a good reason? Uh, when you say your book, Sean, you're talking, are you talking about the DP manual? Yes, that's right. Okay. Manual. I always had it as this manual in my mind. Um, um, what are those, uh, do you relate to those elements of, of getting, of, of like necessary elements to getting through the car and uh, getting, <laughs> getting the car to run, I should say. And, and, and what else would you add to that? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So a huge part of recovery from any anxiety based condition is, uh, as you just said, was like, it's creating the, it's the, creating the best, the optimal physical and mental space to allow you to recover. So, I mean, going from the things you said about kind of dietary things like, about, or, you know, like even avoiding caffeine would be a, a, a basic thing as well. But also, um, and you alluded to this as well, the, but it's the, that kind of fundamental thing of thinking about anxiety and its symptoms in, in a different way, in a, in a, not even from a different, from a more accurate point of view. Like, mm-hmm. so for example, like when I had the first, the first panic attack, and I'm sure you had the, the, the same thing with a kind of the, the, with set off DP, but like my experience of like those feelings was just, it was a nightmare, you know? And it felt like, again, like I said earlier, like I felt like, okay, I, I feel like I'm going crazy. I feel like I'm disconnected from the world. I feel like my my mind is leaving my body. Am I dreaming? Am I still higher? You know all the rest of it. But um, part of recovery is understanding and internalizing what those feelings actually are. So the feelings of depersonalization are they're they're well known. They're actually well known. So depersonalization disorder not quite as well known. It's getting there. It's 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 awareness of it is Mm -hmm. is growing to a great degree in the medical community. But the feelings of depersonalization, like if you speak to any like anxiety uh, counselor or um, any specialist in in anxiety, they know the feelings of depersonalization, right? They are extremely common with panic attacks, with intense anxiety. Um, The uh, the National Institute on Mental Illness estimates that 75% of people will experience one DP or DR episode in their lives, okay? So it's super, super common, right? And it's not dangerous it can't hurt you but in the time that i've been recovered so going on like what 13 years if not more at this stage nice but like if i've been in i may have been in a couple of different situations like normal typical life situations where like i would have been under a lot of stress maybe just through like work stresses or submitting a script or an application late or whatever and and like i mightn't mightn't be sleeping as well as i should drinking too much coffee not getting to the gym you know all, all these things right and they're like i could probably count on one hand the amount of times it's happened but like moments where times where i would feel the feelings of, of of dp start start to appear right but the big difference is is that if it ever happens again now I recognize them and I say, okay, I know what this is. Um, this is my body telling me that I'm under way too much stress. Yeah. I need, I need to sleep more. I need to stop drinking four coffees before noon 
I need to I need to do some cardio in the gym so I can sleep better at night. I need to have some chamomile tea. Um, I need to reduce my work hours, right? And this is the thing as well, where it's like that's not like an interpretation of it. Like that's what it is. Yes. The 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 catastrophic interpretation of like I'm going crazy. I'm I'm in a dream. I can't wake up. Like that's that's an anxious interpretation of a symptom of anxiety. And the thing is, is that when you actually interpret, not interpret, when you perceive it as what it is, which is like, like not only can this not hurt you, this is literally your body and brain's defensive mechanism yeah. from danger. It's it's protecting you. So when you when you perceive it like that, and you say, okay, in in the same in the same way, that this is a great example. So you know the way that one of the most common things that happens with panic attacks is people go to the hospital saying, I'm having a heart attack, I'm going to die. And the reason that happens is they have a panic attack. They experience all these different physical and mental symptoms, but they focus on one of the physical symptoms and they say, uh, my heart's beating too fast. Now, the reason the heart's beating fast is to get oxygen into the bloodstream. Yes. So you, in case you have to run from danger, that's not actually there, but it's what's supposed to happen. But they focus on the, on the heart palpitations. They say, my heart's beating too fast. Um, I'm having a heart attack. I'm going to die which turns into a feedback loop with the heart palpitations and ends up with the person going to hospital. And it's the same thing with depersonalization. It's like the, these feelings kick in, excuse me, to protect you um, from, uh, from stress or danger or anxiety. They're, what's about, they're exactly what's supposed to happen. But we focused on them as being a, 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 a threat separate from the experience of, of, a, of a panic attack. And we said, okay, I may have had a panic attack, but then this other horrible thing happened where I felt like I'm in a dream and now I can't wake up from it. But part of recovery is understanding that those feelings are a natural part of stress and anxiety. And the thing is, is that when you think of them like that, when you understand what they are, when you and if they ever come back and you understand what they are, you immediately prevent the that feedback loop from happening yes the feed the, the feedback loop between anxiety and a symptom of, of anxiety um you when you recognize it for what it is and you say oh i know i know what that is then you stop that feedback loop and it fades away and disappears um as it's as it's meant to do in the same way that somebody who like goes to the hospital so, somebody who develops a fear of, of of having a heart attack like part of their recovery is not just the doctor talking them down and then they go home and go to sleep like because they're 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 going to be afraid that like but what if it just happens again next yeah. week part of their recovery is understanding that if they feel stress and anxiety and they feel their heart beating too fast that's not a sign that they're going to have a heart attack it's probably a sign that they drank too much coffee yeah. or it's it's it, it's the body's a natural response to stress to to to, to um to, uh, reaction to stress and anxiety and when you think of it like that, um, you immediately stop that feedback loop hap from happening. And 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 what happens is they they notice the heart's beating too fast, and they say, "Oh God, I better you know have have a cup of chamomile tea instead." And that's the end of it. That is the end of it. And they don't go to hospital. They don't worry that it's turning to something worse. Um, so sorry, t t t a, a, a long a, a circuitous way of answering your question was, but uh, you're absolutely right. It's the understanding and internalizing what these the the condition actually is is a is a huge part of of, of recovery um and the mistake that people make sometimes is they 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 find their way out of it just through kind of diversion and kind of refocusing get their life getting their lives back on track but they 
because they haven't dealt with, they haven't understood what the, the, the feelings are, there's always this worry that like, yeah, but what if six months down, what if two years down the line, it just comes back and I have no control over it. And then you develop a fear of it. And there's, the, and there's, a, there's a beautiful saying in, in, in um, uh, anxiety therapy, and it's anxiety is caused by the fear of anxiety. Yeah. And panic attacks are caused by the fear of panic attacks. And depersonalization is caused by the fear of depersonalization. <laughs> when, you understand what, when you understand what it is, and you realize that like, not, not only should you not be afraid of it, but this is literally your defense mechanism, then you stop the fear of it. And when the fear of it stops, then the possibility of it coming back and becoming uh, um, another disorder again for another six months d- disappears completely because it, it it can't do that if you're not afraid of it happening again. If when you understand that you have control over it. Man, I can, I just, I just have a lot of appreciation for how the, the work that you've done and how you're able to articulate all this, Sean. It makes me think of, so I was walking through the airport uh, <laughs> I decided to go on a little vacation during COVID times, but we stayed we stayed outside the whole time. Did did outdoor okay. stuff. But I'm walking through the airport. Didn't have a lot of sleep. I had um, and and so people are rushing all around. It was crazy. The lights. You got the speaker on. Boom. DP. My first thought was, oh shit. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now. If I don't have tools at that point, I, I go into a cycle and I might end up on the wall having my wife comfort me or, or something. However, having gone through it, I went, oh, DP's, a little depersonalization's coming in. I know what it is. I know the fe- that I've got to interrupt the fear cycle right now. This is DP. And then my mind goes, what if you pass out while you're walking? You're going to look like a fool. So I then have a con- – this is all while we're walking. I'm having – and then I, my mind, I have the conversation. I go, well, you've not passed out, and even if you do, you'll probably be okay. So go ahead and pass out if you need to. Um, just breathe. Oh, I notice a little tightness. So I'm just having this unbelievable conversation with myself. Now – and I and I got through it just fine. And it reminds me, though, I have indicators of stress – that I, I keep, so I'm able to keep my stress from rising back to a panic level. And one thing is I have the knot in my throat. It always shows up as that tightness in my throat. And yes. so I say, oh, okay, we're, we're a little edgy. Or if I find myself barking a little bit about people around me. So I have to go in and I do my thing. One is I've got like a problem solving kind of formula, seven steps. What's the situation? What stories am I telling myself about this situation? And then I investigate each story. Is there another person involved or a thing or an event involved? And, and wh- what might their opinion be? <laughs> um, what am I going to do about it? And so frequently what comes up for me is um, my old, and I talked about this recently on my own share of a podcast, which is uh, I have a thought. I have some stories that show up regularly that kind of escalated me to this point, which is you think I'm dumb and that probably goes back to childhood. You think I'm, you didn't talk to me the right way. You're trying to get the better of me. And these are, they still flare up from time to time. Um, I I don't get it. Uh, But, but when I address it, a lot of times I go, that's actually false. Um, That's not always the case when I go through and work it out and go, oh, here are three things I need to do maybe to, and and so it's at a very manageable level. Mm. With, with the DP, when did you write the, the, the book, the DP manual? So one of the, one of the 
in, in retrospect, positive benefits to the fact that I was like at the time researching it like like crazy yeah. and mo- monitoring my my thoughts and habits consistently was that like I was I was journaling a lot and I was actually kind of like uh, you know I I had like all these different like uh, bookmarks saved in in the web browser and I I was you know it it really became like a point of uh, like I, I researched it, like I be, I effectively became a researcher in, 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 into this condition and into my own, um, uh, my own experience of it. So I found that when I recovered, um, once I gave myself the space to have recovered from it completely, which involved like not doing any more research and not looking at the stuff, I kind of said like, well, uh, I, when I was going back, I went back to some of the forums and I just said, Hey guys, I've I've actually recovered and I feel I'm I'm like completely back to normal. Nice. So I'm gonna so I'm gonna sign out. I'm gonna I'm gonna say say goodbye to you. And a few people were asking, well, what what did you do? So I said, okay. So what what I did was I looked through the notes I had made, and I and I kind of wrote it in. And I I had just kind of you know I'd done a bit of journalism and stuff in the past. Like so I said, okay, I, I may as well put this into something that's kind of usable. So I just wrote this little document saying, here's what I did here. Here's this is what depersonalization is. And um, here's what here's what I did to get better. Like absolutely kind of no, like I, I couldn't guarantee that it would work for anyone else or whatever. But I said, look, this is this is what I did and it worked. And I just shared it. I shared it in the forums um, with people who I'd become quite friendly with, like, you know, and the response was unbelievable like it was kind of across the board positive like it was people were seeing like immediate not well like results within a couple of days or weeks and then people started recovering with it and i was like oh my oh my god that's that's incredible and but i also didn't really think too much of it because i just thought okay well i just i'll I'll, I'll keep keep this going for a while but i really wanted to get back to my film career like you know um or and, and and playing music um and it just kind of, and then over time, I guess it was maybe like, I guess a year or two later that I said, you know, I should, I should kind of do a website for it or something and just maybe start charging a couple of dollars for it because, you know, I was, because I was, the thing is people would read the book and then email me or they would want to chat. Like when I was like, okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll be glad to help out or whatever. But I found it was kind of taking up more and more of my, of my time. And I loved it. Like, but so I said, you know, I'll, what I'll do is I'll put up a website I'll I'll sell the book for a couple of dollars, but then I'll also I'll add all these different articles um, uh, for the questions that people are asking me. So I'll just have it. It'll be like a resource, like you know, and I'll and I'll make I'll make a few a few bucks off it too. It'd be nice, like you know, um, and it just kept growing. Mm-hmm. It just kept growing, and the um, I kept getting like testimonials from people who had recovered completely. Um, I uh, I. I would revise the book every couple of years and I would say, okay. And, and, and add stuff into it. Like there'd be a question that like, I would find that maybe, maybe six or seven people had asked over the course of the year and I said, okay, that's something I haven't addressed in the book. I put that into the new version. Um, then after a couple of years, I said, I, maybe I should do an, people were saying, could you do an audiobook version? Because it would be, um, you know, just good to have, have something to, to, to have when you're, you know, walking the dog or whatever. So, I got I got that done. I got it professionally recorded. I updated the website again, and um, I just found it was kind of just it was just taking up more and more time. But I loved it. Like you know, 
Um, and I kept kind of doing more and more versions of the book. I um, and then uh, I think it was maybe three years ago I started doing the the YouTube videos, and that was a whole different thing. That was, but then I was I I, I was, uh, you know, um, I was kind of lucky in that like I I you know I I work in film like you know so I kind of had an idea of like uh, how to put something like that together like you know right. Um, but I but I you know I I I have some new YouTube videos coming out soon, but you know, writing the scripts for that, like, and, and as, and uh, as you said at, at the top of the, the podcast, where it's like, I, I try to design them to be things that like people would, people in distress, like could, what I wanted the book and I want the videos to be Wes, is like, I want them to be the resource that I would have found within days of developing DP when I was 25 years old. And it's just a guy saying like, okay, I understand you're scared. Yeah. I understand this feels completely bonkers and weird. And I understand that you might have smoked a joint and you might think I'm, I've broken my mind. <laughs> here's what, here, here's what's happening. You're safe. You haven't hurt yourself. You're, you haven't damaged your brain. You're not going crazy. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel this. This is what it is. Um, here, he, here's what you need to do. And don't, and don't worry. You're fine. You're safe. Um, and that's, been the core message of, of the software, the DP manual and the, and the, and the, and YouTube and all the rest of us. Um, and then in the, in the, and then in the past couple of years, there's, there's been kind of more media interest in, in depersonalization. Um, the, the BBC did a piece on me like two years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, which was, which was fantastic. I did like a, a series of interviews with it, with a BBC reporter. Um, and she was just fantastic. She was lovely and gracious and, um, uh, yeah, so it's just it, it from something that I I just like wrote quickly and put out in forums to help people. It has turned into this kind of like huge huge part of my life, like you know. So I'm I'm so I'm kind of balanced my time between the DP manual and between making films, which is my 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 profession, which is my 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 vocation, I guess. Like you know. Yeah, you're like there's a there's a need here, and people are asking me to fill it, and I can't just give up all my time for this. So, um, and I, I, clearly you're passionate about it and your articles, are you, um, well, before the articles and the YouTube videos, what you're currently working on, um, are, do we got a film sorry, in mind? Sorry, sorry Wes, I, I, I'm just going to move the table a little bit so there might be a little bit of sound. You got some cute, uh, bears in the background there. Stuff I know. That, yeah. I know. It's, <laughs> this is, uh. It's actually my cousin's um my cousin's house and I'm in this, this spare room upstairs so uh we got some we got some good bear action going on. Like, You're gonna you know? blame it on your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, man, they're not my bears, like. <laughs> um, Don't pin that on me. <laughs> hey, what what are you working on as far as if do you like what are you working on a script right now? Do you have something in mind as as far as films are concerned? Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, my my my, my film career is it's it's going pretty well. Um, I've done uh, I've made a bunch of short films. I made an independent feature film years ago. I I made a short film last year. Um, uh, that did quite well on the on the festival circuit. It won a bunch of different awards, and we are we are now on the long list for an Oscar nomination. Um, wow, and it's called. Uh, it's called a, a, a white horse. It's a, it's set in Ireland in the 1970s, and it's about it's about it's actually in 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 some ways about mental health. It's also about kind of um, uh, LGBT uh, rights. 
but uh, yeah, something I, I made uh, uh, with a, a bunch of very very talented filmmakers, and um, it's it's been doing it's been doing great. We were actually supposed to have the the North American premiere um, a couple of months ago at the Newport Beach Film Festival, but uh, oh really? The, 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 yeah, yeah. Wow. But, uh, then the, the 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 world went splat, and every yeah. and everything stopped. So. <laughs> So, so while we're having these, uh, we're we are still screening at film festivals around the world. Um, we obviously can't attend any any of them. So, so they're they're screening in 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 an in online form. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that that's that's what I do. I uh, and I'm, I'm I'm hoping to and I'm I'm uh, we're hoping to, to develop this short into a TV show, into a mini series which we've been developing for quite some time, and uh, and I've just finished my first. Uh, uh, proper feature script which i hope to make in the next in the next year or two so so yeah it's good i'm i'm i'm, I'm busy how do you how do you break up your day like because it sounds like i mean you're your own boss with with the dp uh tools and and site and then you have the is there a certain method you have per per each hour or do you is it a little more free-flowing uh I tend to I, when I get up in the morning, I'll do my um, I'll do my morning r- routines and my um, I'll do my journaling, and my affirmations, and my meditation, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, I'll have my breakfast, and then I will get through all of my DP manual stuff I need to do for the day. So that includes um, and through all the social media, uh, responding to any emails I have, um, if any, you know, if anyone's ha- had any problems with like the download or whatever, I'll make sure they're okay and sorted out. Um, uh, and that usually takes an hour or two and then I will, uh, and then I'll sit down and start doing my film work for the day. Um, which could be, um, well, obviously in, in the last like kind of, you know, seven or eight months, there's been no filming anything. It's all, it's all script development. So like, you know, um, and then, uh, every evening I'll, um, I'll get a bit of exercise. I'll do something. I'll go for a walk. Um, there's no going to the gym at the moment, unfortunately, but, um, mm-hmm. To, to do some exercise recent I, I don't know how have you had this experience too as like but i really really um so my the first couple of months in into lockdown or into into covid i was like i spent the whole day on uh news websites and youtube and social yep. media yeah and, and i really found it, it it was it was affecting my mood so I, I i i really had to cut down on social media and and limit my news intake to maybe like an hour in the evenings or something. Um, but I found that I was, I, it was just freaking me out. Like, you know, I was, I was, I felt quite stressed. Like, and, um, I kind of, I really had to be strict with myself about like, okay, there's only so much of this stuff you can, you can take in. And now you need to go and, and, and read a book, like, or go for a walk or yeah. Did you, did you there's find that? In- 100%. There's so much. And the, at, I certainly had to limit my news intake and I see it affecting my mom who's just constantly if you watch if you turn on the news right now you would think everything is bad and it's not all bad. Yeah. What you said reminds me Sean of leveling which means uh or calibrating each different area. For example, you realized, oh this is affecting me negatively. So I have to I don't have to omit it. I don't have to quote get off Facebook. But but maybe I need to balance it a little bit better. With my time studying DPDR, some may be needed, but not my whole day. Maybe an hour in the morning, which I kind of limit. I said, I'll give myself an hour of research. And, and um, 
you also said something very interesting because I did last week a morning routine podcast or a routine podcast, and you kind of flew through it. But boy, you get up and you do your you do your your, your normal routine, which includes affirmations. You do uh, you mentioned like five different self cares, and I know Anthony, the great Anthony Robbins says it's like a prime for your brain in the morning. I'll get up, I'll do my my three three and three. I'll go I'll, a quick review of the last twenty four hours. Uh, three things I'm thankful for or three things that um, I'm, I, I did or that happened, just a remembering to ground in the present moment, not too far in the past, not too far. In the, three things for the next 24 hours I plan on doing. My breathing, I've got, I am a, I'm addicted to foam rolling. I stretch. You wouldn't believe how flexible I am. That's weird. That's a weird thing that I would say, but I stretch constantly, <laughs> which is a reliever for me. That's great, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I do, you, do, you, do you practice yoga as well? Wes, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, the yoga, uh, deep breathing, uh, time in the sauna. But what that does is sets me up to go in and, and kind of balance out the day. And I found, I read a book years ago, and I still apply it. It's called The Pickup. It's like The Pickup Artist by Neil Strauss. I mean, <laughs> I how, yeah. how do you think I got my wife? You know what I'm saying? I'm kidding. But... um. <laughs> what? What? A, <laughs> you kind of have a bit of a Neil Strauss look about you as well. Like, I, you know? I, I got the no hair going. Yeah. I got this. Stop, come on. Um, with you. <laughs> um, actually, that that was an area that was stressed because one of my core beliefs is I can't connect with. Uh, I, I suck at romantic relationships, but I did have a couple behaviors that tended to sabotage. And then I sat back and went, "What am I actually looking for?" So uh, September 29th is my two year anniversary. Um, uh, but I read the pickup artist and he said, Hey, I need a couple things, three or four things in my day. I got to have some work. I need work every day. I need some movement and I need some social. And I'm like, Oh, that, th- those kind of days, I still incorporate all of the above there. Yeah. Yeah. But I was curious how you break up your day, but because, uh, because you got a lot going on. That's, that's really cool. Um, did you ever read a book called the miracle morning was no, no, sir. It's really good, man. It's by a guy called Hal Elrod, and uh, it just—I mean, a lot—a lot of it is kind of common sense in that, like he says, like you know, here are the here are the things that that will make your day better. So it's like journaling, uh, affirmations, visualization, exercise. It's it is a lot of kind of recapitulation of the Tony Robbins stuff, like you know, yeah. but but he but he gives you an hour to do it, and it, it's in the morning, and it's but it's before you do anything else. So he's like, if you if you're if you're getting up in the morning and you're showering at like you know eight o'clock, then from now on you need to get up at get up at seven and you spend the hour doing these things. So it's t- ten minutes for each one and this and there's six of them, you know. Um, and I read that book and I was kind of like, come on, mm-hmm. that's way too. I mean, you know, look, I know these things. These are and then I started doing it and I was like, oh, oh god, oh this is actually fantastic. Like you know, um, because like like in addition to like all of the, the like obviously kind of palpable benefits from doing these things mm-hmm. there's you have such a sense of completion and achievement before you've had your breakfast do you know what i mean so it kind of it it, it almost feels like i've done like some of the most difficult things for the day already and you and you feel primed and you feel ready for yeah. the day and you're kind of so, so much more energy um it's uh, it's great. It remind, reminded me of some some of the stuff you mentioned there when you were talking about the the the, the morning routine, you know. 
Um, cause I, cause I, I would have, I always would have felt like I wasn't naturally a, a morning person, but it's that, but you know, you know, it, it's so interesting, this thing of like, oh, I'm not this type of person or me thinking like, I'm, I'm an anxious person. I'm an, I'm an, or a non-anxious person. Like, I don't think that like anybody is anything th- you know, uh, through default, but through habits we are. So like, if like, for example, if you would have met me, me like 10 years ago, I was not a morning person. Now I am a morning yes, person, same. but, the, but, but the, yeah, right. But, but the, the, the difference is I just made a habit of getting up in the morning and I'm just like, oh, I'm a morning person, you know, but it's just, it's, it's just habit. And it's a, a testament to the kind of, um, the malleability of our habits, our behaviors and, um, which is, you know, it's such a, it's such a kind of a joyous thing when you get, when you kind of grab a hold of it, because it's like, you know, well, if I, the, Cause like reading the Tony Robbins stuff, like, like you mentioned, or the Halera stuff, like initially you're kind of going like, I dude, I can't be getting up at seven in the morning, you yeah. know, come on. And then, and then like a month later, you're like, I can't imagine not getting up at seven in the morning and all, and, and all that happened was you made a habit of it. That's it. It's wild, but it's, it's, it's fantastic. You know, I've been saying discard, you know, I, I think a, a lot of things are ideas and I've been saying this lately. I'm open to discarding ideas and continually getting better ideas and um and and measuring the effectiveness of those i'm curious and i'll get i know you're busy so we'll kind of wind it down but um how do you go about uh choosing like an article an article that pops up um you know alcohol dp what call uh, does does alcohol cause dp or your youtube videos how do you go about deciding what you're gonna you're gonna write about or film uh, for, for, for film, is it, or for, or how, yeah. How do you make the decision? How do you make the decision, uh, about what you're going to write an article, just kind of the creative process. What inspires you to r- write about a certain part of DPDR or record it? Uh, and I'll tell you for me, my podcast, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's based on input from messages that may come in. Uh, sometimes, um, I just get a sense, man, I kind of want to talk about this. What am I, what's been on my mind lately? Do you, but I kind of also feel like I don't quite know or have a, a particular process. How, how do you go about choosing the next article? Um, initially it would have been that I wanted to have a resource that had it answered every possible question you could have on it. But when I do new stuff, it tends to be, it tends to be like if I'll get, if I find I'm answering the same question over and over in an e- in emails, I'll say, okay, this is becoming, uh, it is something that people are interested in or concerned about. So instead of me answering that same email over and over again, what I'll do is I'll write this article and send, okay, check, have listen. You, you know, read this, 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 this will cover it. And then ideally there'll be a video in embedded in the page that people will go and they'll just explain the whole thing. Like, so for example, I mean, one, one of the articles I, I, I wrote would have been this, the idea of like extreme depersonalization. So people think that like, okay, I understand that you had DP and you recovered. I understand, I understand what it is, but like, I, I think what happened to me is really bad. And I think I actually have extreme depersonalization or depersonalization 2.0 like you know yes and i found and i found that what i was writing was was that like okay you need to understand that like everyone who has ever had depersonalization has thought that exact same thing 
not only that, but everyone who has ever had any anxiety-based condition has thought that exact same thing. Um, if if it were a case of 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 understanding what the condition is and recovering, then all it would take would be like the looking at the Wikipedia page and going, "Oh, that's what it is. I'm I'm okay." No, it's a, you know, as with any anxious habit of thought, it's it's uh, understanding is a huge part of it, but also allowing it to kind of to doing the correct things to to, to allow it to fade away. But in the case of the extreme depersonalization thing, I found that I was answering that question over and over again. And then and it reminding myself that like, yeah, God, that was the thing I used to think. I Whereas I, I used to think like, even, even when I figured out what it was and I saw, and I saw, okay, I understand that this is, it's anxiety based. People recover from it all the time. People have it for different lengths of time. I know I should be okay. I, I will be okay. There was still a part of me that said, yeah, but Sean, what if, what if, you have a different version of it and it's and it's going to be named after you in future yeah. there's going to be sean o'connor depersonalization like like lou gehrig's disease they're going mm-hmm. to be sean o'connor depersonalization and and that's a legitimate thought i had and i thought jesus what, 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 <laughs> yeah um but it's that thing of kind of condensing that into an article and saying like just don't worry like i understand that you're having this thought but if you if you weren't having this thought you wouldn't have an anxiety-based condition. Part of having an anxiety-based condition is that your thoughts are racing and that you're catastrophizing. What what is the catastrophizing catastrophized version of finding out what a condition is? It's finding out what a condition is with saying, "Oh yeah, but what I have a different version of it? What if I have a different version of it and I can't get better?" Um, so, what the articles are tend to be, I will get like you know a series of emails from people over time and say, "Okay." This is obviously a concern that people have that maybe I didn't think about when I initially wrote the book. So I will add it onto the website and and have a resource for people to, to defer to. To continue to round out all the information. I yeah. Boy, do I relate to that. And I had kind of a helping relationship through the podcast where mm. every time I would meet up with this person, because I just care, and I every time we would meet up, um, we would go through combining my symptoms with her symptoms and she was continually seeking and her brain's trying to help her by saying I have something different so I, I, I need to I need to get help for what I have because it's different than what you have and I said listen I'm not going to do this with you every meeting this is your brain trying to tell yourself that I have something different this is the you know the Sean O'Connor uh, disease or, or whatever and I looked at her one day and I said all right I hate to break this to you but you are not that unique. You are not that special. Yeah. You think you're, what What an ego you must have. And I said this to this person to try to break through. How much yeah. you think of yourself that you're the one lucky person. There's everybody with this DP. All the symptoms fit exactly the same. But no, you're so damn special. Sorry for the yeah. language. It's, and, it, and it actually kind of got through. I got laughter on the other end like you just did. And, and I think the point yeah. was made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And it is. And, you know, it's uh, there's so much to be said about that kind of um, about bringing about bringing humor to it. Like, you know, and there's a there's a like there's a um, there's a concept in, in psychology known as um, uh, proportionality bias. And it's this idea that when what we experience feels like it is massive effects we assume that the cause of it must also be proportionately massive. So for example, right, with right. 
when, and I'm sure you'll relate to this as, as well, Wes, but when I first developed anxiety and DP, like, so as I mentioned earlier, like my whole life stopped, like, like everything stopped. And I moved home with my parents, I stopped working, I uh, stopped eating, I stopped exercising, and I just, this became my, like my whole life turned upside down um, overnight. And the things, if I, like, if I went through the list of things that I thought I had, we'd be here till we had a vaccine, right? I thought, I mean, schizophrenia, multiple personality disorder, brain cancer, dementia, Alzheimer's, like I, and I legitimately at different times thought I had all these things. It must be, right? And looking back on it, what, what I, I don't think I ever thought that I had was a temporary anxiety condition that happened because I had a panic attack. The boom. Because it couldn't be that simple. Because my whole life was like changed. It, it couldn't be something as simple as that. It had to be dementia. It had to be right. a, 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 a tumor in my brain. It had to be, you know. Um, but what I think is the, and like part of recovery is, is understanding that and kind of like bypassing the, those kind of ca- catastrophic interpretations. And also like, I knew, like, look, I, I mean, I know the basic symptoms of things like, schizophrenia and like multiple personalities or like and i knew rationally that that's not what was happening mm-hmm. but my racing thoughts and catastrophizing was jumping to all the things yeah but what if it is what if it is but i think that kind of like having somebody speak to you like like you just mentioned about talking to your friend and saying something like that it there's so much benefit to kind of bringing humor and and a kind yeah. of directness to it that's you know and like you know and that and that's some some of kind of what I tried to bring into the DP manual as well is is saying like listen, hmm. I've bad news for you like you are <laughs> like I've 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 bad news for you your brain is the same as my brain is the same as the brain of everyone else who has ever gotten this and recovered from it, and if you think that your 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 brain has got a little kind of a couple of neurons different that means you'll never recover well my God that's a you must think you're very special like you know and it's yeah. kind of you know it's it's a bit it's a little bit kind of you know, it's a, it's a bit of an elbow, it's a bit of a nudge, but, but like, it's the kind of thing that like, I remember, like, I, I would have loved to have gotten that back in the day. Like, you know, just have someone say, come here to me, like, sure. God, sure. God love you. Like, you're yeah. not, you know, um, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's good to hear that you have that kind of, you, you can bring that to, to conversations with people who, who are experiencing it too, you know, can bring some fun to it. And it, I mean, yeah. and what you just said reminds me of several things. Um, one, there can be a payoff for staying into it. Some, some people I talk with, uh, adults or students will say, and we'll get to a point to where they're hanging on as like, in a weird sense, there can be comfort in hanging on to this story of myself. This is partially my, you you relate to that. This this is my identity. Then we have to go in and do that work of, are we willing to let go of our story and the payoff because it really isn't serving us? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it becomes like there is, and it it can be a difficult thing for people to hear as well. And I'm not sure it's something I would have wanted to hear it many times back in the day, but I needed to hear it. There can be, there can be a comfort in, in the victimhood of it. For sure. And I, and I, and I know I, 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 I wallowed in that from time to time. Even the thing I mentioned earlier, Wes, about like, like these forums that I was posting on multiple times a day, 
and people I got to know, like, and I was kind of, you know, commiserating with and saying, like, you know, I'd be like checking in in the morning, saying, like, how was yesterday on a scale of one to ten, you know, you know, how are you getting on? And friends in the UK, friends in America, somebody in Ireland, like, you know, but these people, and in order for me to recover, I had to, I had to leave that, but I, and I also had to leave the, these modes of thinking. I had to leave this, this, ha- this comfortable habit I had that, like. Of, of researching it, of, of like looking on Google News for stuff about depersonalization, hitting the refresh button over and over again, getting kind of small moments of kind of happiness and kind of and uh, and of hope, like, you know, um, and, a, and a big part of like unsticking yourself from that is is a, is a tectonic shift in your own behavior because you do have and and in, in doing so as well, you kind of have to you have to give yourself the time and the space in order to, to recover. Yeah. Um, well, one, one of the things that, uh, or, or, or to allow yourself to forget about one, one, one of the things I, I, I kind of mentioned when I'm talking to people about like recovery from anxiety, DP is like, is the idea of like giving up smoking, which is, which is a, a good metaphor in some ways. So it's like, if, if somebody is smoking for like 20 years, we'll say, and they decide I'm going to give up smoking. Right. And the reason they give up smoking is like, is because they understand that like they have been getting chest infections, lung infections. It's, uh, they're at risk of developing cancer. Maybe they've got kids, there's secondhand smoke. Mm -hmm. There are a hundred reasons to give up smoking. There's, and it's expensive and it's, you know, and it's, there's, there's no good reason to keep smoking. Right. And you understand all of that. But, the next day they want to smoke and probably for the next couple of weeks, even a month or two. And they're going to want to smoke because they have a cup of coffee. They want to smoke. They have sex. They want to smoke. It's comfortable. It, right. Familiar. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's familiar and it's, a, and it's a habit of thought, but it's that thing of like you, when you change any habit like that, that has been, you know, temporarily ingrained there, you have to jump into that space where for a while, it's going to feel incredibly frustrating because you're, you're saying, well, but I feel like I've given up smoking, but my God, why do I want a cigarette so much, you know? Right. But you, but you have to kind of trust your brain to, and give your brain the space to allow those habits to, to run out of fuel and to fade away and stop. But in the meantime, being strict with yourself about not buying cigarettes, not going out for a smoke with your buddies when they're, when you're having a beer or whatever, um, not having a, not having a smoke with a coffee, you know, all these different things that you're overwriting. But there is that space in between doing taking the practical steps and actually forget like um, mentally um, uh, uh, being a non-smoker after that. But that space can be very difficult to be in, especially at the beginning, because it's like you're unsticking yourself from this habit, but you've got all the discomfort of like, but I need to be doing this. I need to be doing this. And there's some and there's something there is something very similar with anxiety and DP, whereas you do have to stop being on the forums you have to stop researching you have to stop talking about to people all the time you have to stop making it a part of your life but also there is this there's this kind of grace grace period of of discomfort where it's like but i'm doing the right things but why am i still having anxious thoughts why do i still feel depersonalized but in that space every, every time you don't actively give in to the um the urge to research it or talk about it or even sit there and 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 pontificate on existential thoughts or whatever every time you distract yourself every time you move yourself away from it 
you are adding to to that pile that is that is moving you away from it but you have to give yourself the time and the space to to allow yourself to do it um that can be and that can be a difficult thing to do and especially when there where when you had friends on the forums and comfort in that um which i absolutely had like you know um but it's 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 such an important thing to do yeah from from that i got acceptance i accept that i have this i'm willing to do the work that it takes cuz some people aren't willing you know maybe still attached to to whatever comfort it may bring and and then a proper expectation of the time it may take it's going to get worse before it gets better uh it's not going to be fun and it i might live through 6 weeks of suck as i really change my behavior or or a year but knowing what i'm actually moving toward by the way i have to go back to something you said you mentioned the proportionality or proportion bias and i think i was introduced to that when someone was talking about jfk and that was real i've never heard it kind of expressed the way you just you just did of all of this my life massive shift just just anxiety just panic you know um i was introduced to this idea with uh you know are you familiar with the whole John F. Kennedy, our president, assassinated in Dallas, Texas, uh, in the sixties? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay, yes, I've yeah. been, I've investigated the site. I think I know what actually happened. In any case, <laughs> um, uh, Wes Murphy has solved it. But in any case, <laughs> I heard a gentleman, an expert, talking about it, and he said, "Look, you've got the president. You've got one of the most important." leaders in in the united states who is shot and nobody whether whatever you believe he said it's really hard you need something extreme to meet that that assassination so you need a plot from a country what our minds will not allow us to believe is it was a lunatic who shot him from a a tower uh, you know Uh, and if and believe what you will about it, but at least that made sense to me from the psychological standpoint that people need to assume it's this massive, uh, massive conspiracy behind it. Absolutely, absolutely. And even what's happening now with 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 COVID, like you know, it's 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 it seems unbelievable that this is a, a simple zoonotic virus that was transferred through a wet market in Wuhan in China, and it has. It has changed the world. It has changed everything about the world, and it and it it, it feels like it couldn't it couldn't be that simple. Um, and there has to there have to be kind of like you know dark forces behind it, and and this kind of tendency towards kind of conspiratorial thinking like is is it's it, it's attractive and it it the, interestingly it kind of it makes more sense of the world to think of it like that. But uh, um, Occam's razor. Yes. Yeah, all things being equal, the simplest explanation is the most likely, and it is the, it is actually the the, the 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 simplest explanation. Yeah, I've been studying uh, logic and logical fallacy, fallacies, which makes me sound smart. But one of the things when we got on, I was like, "Be normal, Wes. Just talk to Sean. Have some fun." And <laughs> a little, uh, I wanted to make sure I didn't sound sound too dumb today. Um, but there, there's always a nervousness of I when you talk to a, a, a new person to, you know, uh, be appropriate. But I was like, oh, and I put those thoughts to bed real quick. I said, just have fun. You're mm-hmm. passionate about anxiety. Yeah. This guy has just talked. Um, I can't tell you uh, how cool it is to get to talk to you. Um, Likewise. My, yeah, an absolute pleasure. Hold on. My dad's beeping in. Let me decline his call. 
without shutting okay. you down. There you are. Okay. Um, how amazing. And I want to say, perhaps we should keep it going. Maybe I might be reaching out. Is it fair to say we're best friends now? I don't know. I, 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 I would say that this is a, a, a tremendous step forward in, um, uh, in U.S.-Irish relations. Hey, let me, there you go, right? <laughs> We're making it happen. Yeah. And I have to go ahead and put the offer out there. If you find yourself in the United States working on a film or doing a tour for your book, don't forget about Wes. Here I am in Tennessee on the base of the Smoky Mountains. You know, you got to. Nice. Is that where you are? Oh, man, I'd love to. I mean, yeah, we got, uh, uh, grew up in this area, moved away for many years, came back. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, uh, we got a lot going on around here and. It's 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 a cool place to stop by. That's great, man. Likewise, if you're if you're ever in Ireland, come down to come. Down, well, you have to come to Cork and Kerry if you're in Ireland anyway. Um, and uh, yeah, I, actually, you, you saw the Last Jedi, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the island that Luke Skywalker lived on is literally over the road there, like. I was hoping you would reciprocate because Ireland is on my list. But yeah, we'll we'll keep the conversation going. And you know that that's all I got for today. I. I very very excited that we did this you got anything else you want to get off your chest before we call it a day um not no no i think we we, we cover a lot just to say keep keep up the, the good work that you're doing as well with the podcast on and with like the even i think you mentioned at the, at the at the top of the podcast about you know um working with the with that student and um yeah i think at the i think as well at the moment like in the one, one of the things that like when i speak to people uh recently when i've been speaking to people with anxiety and dp one of the things that i say to them is um remember that the last that that remember the 2020 has been stressful for everybody everybody um and um and it's important to give yourself the space to have experienced something like okay if if you develop if you've developed like an anxiety based condition in the midst of all this okay it's not it, it's not ideal but it also doesn't change anything about the uh the the uh, uh the recovery and the potential for recovery and, uh, and how, how it's going to happen but it's very important that to remember that like this is this is a period in our history where like it, it's extremely uh it's anxious it's an anxiety causing time for everyone um so i think that kind of having resources like your podcast and it's just even 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 spreading that word of being able to kind of give help people out with the tools um uh be they just kind of advice cbt or or whatever is um is more invaluable than ever so uh yeah mm-hmm. keep doing what you're doing it's great fantastic sean really appreciate you man thank you for your time today what a, what a treat yeah, it was a pleasure. yeah likewise it was a pleasure thanks wes we'll keep it going i'm gonna sign off see you brother yeah cool man Take care. Great talk. Yes, sir. Okay, so I just clicked off Skype. How about that? (sighs) That was amazing. Yeah, I'm going to wind it down, but and I'm going to have to debrief in process. But obviously, it was... um, I told myself before I go on the call, remember, we're both passionate about helping people with DPDR, anxiety um we both come through it he's he's clearly just firing on all cylinders in life i mean he's he's bringing it i i have to manage mine daily and it doesn't stop me but um and how about that here i am starting this podcast in tennessee and i'm connecting with a a guy i really 
admire and appreciate um, who I did this story on, and he just happened to see it. I mean, that's incredible. So I'll end right there. This is a big step up for Anxiety Help with Wes. Look at us now. Who's laughing now? Nobody was ever laughing. Now I'm getting weird. We'll end it right there. Thank you, guys. We'll see you on the next one. And be sure, I love your messages. Support at Anxiety Help with Wes. Rate the podcast. You know what's up. See you guys. Bye.